this time we are the reason is two two things one um, we're recording this in the evening so that means mellow time uh, second reason of two is that it's a very hot day in melbourne all of a sudden and we're too sweaty to make any real effort and the third of the two reasons that we're talking quiet is not to echo in this echoey room and the fourth unwritten unagreed reason is we've become jazz. We're jazz now. <laughs> jazz. <laughs> Welcome to Peter's Frenemies. We can talk normal. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a um, a podcast that we've been doing. And I have to talk about it this time. We're doing the admin. Every month for a year, we'll watch the movie Peter's Friends. It's a garbage fire with a heart. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll watch it. And discuss it once a month, and we'll always ask the same questions. What delighted us this time? What annoyed us this time? What surprised us this time? And finally, who, upon your latest assessment, is Peter's real friend? Yeah. That's the gig. Now with added jazz. Jazz. Okay, I'll go first today with delight. What? Kimby, what delighted you? As per the format of the show... Thank you. What delighted you what this del- time but yes. when watching <laughs> the movie Peter's Jazz Friends? Am I allowed to start? Entrare. Okay, thank you. Um, what delighted me? Uh, there are a couple of things that delighted me this time. Um, I think Vera's roast, just every time I see that shot of the plate with the meat and the potatoes and the gravy. I, I just, I, w- I want to go to there. Um, it's a dang good roast and it was on my short list, just deleting it now. Okay, go on. but the thing that delighted me the most, most, was the scene between Roger and Mary, where they've, you know, been shagging all day and Mary's all stretched out and being kind of funny. And Hugh Laurie, as Roger, is looking at her with such love. And that really delighted me. I could see the love in that relationship in that moment. And then he goes, you saucy minx or whatever, and tickles her. But just the way he looks at her was really nice. And the director was very careful not to upskirt her during that tickling, I'm just saying. Yeah, kudos. Uh, kudos to non-upskirting directors. Uh, which was Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Craner. Um <laughs> That delighted you. And I agree, those two people, the characters, true, but also those two actors were very comfortable and very um, in, their, uh, yeah, in their own skin for that scene. And mm. um, it was lovely. What really delighted me, uh, I was going to go with another uh, sort, of, sort of soft furnishing or piece of clothing. Uh, I was going to go with Peter's corduroys because uh, I have a soft spot for soft corduroy trousers. Um, but I didn't. I'm going non-Derek. I'm going for something a lot less um, about my own style. I'm going with the bass line from the song 
what's love got to do with it? It comes into play about three quarters through the film. Uh, it's one of the 4,000 songs in the film. Um, and as it begins, I was just listening to it and I was just thinking, man, the, the 80s slash 90s weren't all bad. That is a excellent bass line and beginning to that song by Tina Turner. Is that song played while Carol is eating? Yeah, I think it's when she's having her midnight feast. Yeah, it's not very well matched. I don't, yeah, to I that don't. Scene. No. But can I just say, boom, did did you? Okay. Boom, did you? And then you have to say, jazz. Oh, yeah, actually, I should be going, boom, 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 boom. Okay, well, thank you for that. Delighted I was. Yeah, that's good. Um, it wasn't actually about the film, but it was anyway. It's a film. It's film adjacent. It's All right. in the film. Okay, it is, but it's not like it was a creationist part of the film. It wasn't written especially for the film. I don't think Tina Turner, when she wrote that song, was envisaging. And I don't it, think <laughs> Uncle Monty, when he made his own couch, meant it to be in Peter's Friends either. Okay, fine. All right, so we'll go to the next one. It was what annoyed us most? Jazz. What was jazzy annoying? Uh, I'm going to go with, yeah, it's when they're having dinner and it's wine, would you, who would like wine? And then Carol says, no wine for him and none for me either. We're AA. And can I just say, if you really do have a drinking problem, you would not sit at a dinner table and announce to people you haven't seen for years or um, allow yourself to announce as, as the, the plus one of your, of your husband, we're AA. It, AA stands for Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I th- but I think... But I know people do say I'm Yeah, right. they do. Yeah. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Um, yeah, okay. It she, is... she, she outed them both in, in, in that moment rather than in a more sensitive way. Yeah, that's right. It, maybe that wasn't her story to tell as far as um, Andrew was concerned. There, just as a side note, there is a drinking thing that annoys me in that where... You know, um, Peter says to Paul, oh, be a blessed poppet and get her on some drinks. And then he immediately starts to give a speech and seems a little bit annoyed or put off when Paul's serving wine to people is kind of interrupting the speech. I'm like, you know, well, what is it, Peter? Like, it's kind of like servants should be seen and not heard. It's like he's he's expecting it all to be sort of done seamlessly and silently and he wouldn't mm. be able to orate. Yeah, yeah? it's all a bit off it is it's a bit off and, anyway. and just while i while that's quite a light annoyance really just that we're uh, yeah i'll just i'll just um supercharge it with an, another small annoyance involving andrew he picks up her um luggage at the airport he's like oh it's so heavy what have you got in here weights and then i'm just thinking did he not help her go to the airport i know but even like in um transit you know when they like Oh, no, not transit, but at the departures, you know, that what, do they have a chauffeur who took the, or a, a butler that took did, the did, luggage did, did from they the... Try, I don't know. Did I don't they know. travel separately? Yeah. Anyway. Um, she doesn't strike me as the per- person who would handle her own luggage. Yes, but he definitely didn't until that moment. Yeah, so it just says to me that they have more help. They have hired help. Boo! Okay. I surprised you. Jazz. Boo, surprise, in jazz format. Okay, so, well, the, what surprised you? No, no, I haven't done what actually annoyed me. I just did a side note. I was just piggybacking off. I was building oh. on yours, just while we're talking about well, the drinking. Do it. Um, I'm, I was kind of annoyed by uh, some costuming or sort of wardrobe decisions. 
I was annoyed by Andrew's summer weight jacket when he's walking with Maggie and we're talking late December in England. And they're walking in the Sinead O'Connor grounds. Yes, in the Sinead. They are the Sinead O'Connor grounds. But I think Peter's the one who goes full Sinead with, um, when he's got his whole silhouette under the tree. But anyway, so I'm just like, is he, where is he freezing? Like, this is winter. He should be wearing more clothes. But the thing that annoyed me even more in terms, terms of wardrobe choices um, was that first dinner which is super, super formal. I mean, Peter's wearing a tux. Um, Roger's dressed like a third-rate gangster in his sort of black shirt and, um, and sort of lighter tie. Uh, Andrew's wearing a double-breasted suit. Um, you know, uh, Sarah and Carol are dressed up like they're going to the Academy Awards. And Carol says, oh, Mary- oh, this is just something very expensive. Yeah, exactly. Mary's dressed like she's about to do some kind of corporate takeover in circa 1982. And then um, Maggie is wearing this sort of artist smock slash peasant nightgown. Slash potato sack? Yeah, and just, and, and, and no point goes, oh, like everyone else is dressed up and I haven't dressed up. So I just think it's just a bit... Don't forget I, Tony Slattery being uh, no, but he's, the count from the Sesame Street. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's like, I want to suck about the van. No, but he's got, uh, but he seems to have made a little bit of an effort. You know, he's not. No, Devon made a bit of an effort. And Maggie is, I don't know, she's gone for orphan. Yeah. Little orphan. Yeah. I mean, I like that art of smock, but I'm just like, it's so markedly different from everybody else. But there's no remark about it. Maybe it's just you know, Maggie being kooky, it's just her expressing her kooky self. But I mm. I don't know. I just feel like she should have made more more of an effort. Alright. Boo! Oh. Jazz. are bread. <laughs> I'm surprising you because I have to ask you, what surprised you? What surprised me? I think the thing that surprised me the most um, was uh, Mary's tearless crying in the big sort of confrontation that she has with Roger and we have complimented both those actors on their performance but she is doing the kind of the big sobs and the kind of and there is no hint of liquid I mean it's like it's like the Sahara Desert of facial acting that there's no Mm. there's nothing it's Mm. all just (gasps) but without you know, because yeah. when you cry like that, that's ugly crying. There's just water going every snot. Only in films do you see ugly crying with no tears. It's like this strange thing. You do see it. Like people will be doing the full emotion, yeah. but there won't be any tears. They couldn't make it happen in the scene. What it's the it? dry cry. It's the dry, dry cry. cry that I used to do with the kids where I kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you were doing it for comedy. Um, uh, it was heartfelt. It was actually real. What was the actor's tip? How you had to get your tears going? Mm. put stuff in your eyes pain you put pain in your eyes <laughs> yeah you pre-pain your eyes <laughs> all right so surprise now i'm coming back to andrew and i'm coming back to andrew's drinking problem because mm. i i had a surprise in a small detail in the night time in the dark there's a moment when carol comes down because there's no tv she says can i get it you know, a TV or a book or whatever. When she comes down, um, Andrew's up with the gang and he's earlier said, I'm going to have a drink. And they go, Andrew. <laughs> and he goes, a soft drink. Because he's AA. 
And so he goes over and pours himself a drink. When she walks in and asks for uh, help for a TV or whatever, Andrew's holding a, a glass, which I guess is a soft drink, and he very visibly hides it behind his back. Like he, he, oh, I he, didn't he, notice he, that. This is the detail. I, ah. I, I had to actually rewind it. I, I pressed rewind. I had to rewind it a little bit um, just to check it. He, he does the full obvious kind of move of, oh, hide that behind my leg, behind, behind my bottom. And I'm like, okay, well, it does... has he forgotten his own uh, plot point? Or are we supposed to believe he's secret, secret drinking at this moment? Or is it just an accident? Well, the drink itself, the way that he served the soft drink, it does look like it's in a, whatever they call those, it's a lowball glass. I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, it's, it's got, a tumbler. It's like it's a, a tumbler. tumbler. It's got ice and it looks like it could be an alcoholic drink. So maybe he's just hiding. So are he, we the only ones who know this, that Andrew has did a sneaky drink that night? Or he knows that she might think that it's a sneaky drink, but because it, it looks like one. Yeah. So maybe he, just to avoid any kind of argument, maybe. Okay, I'll take that. He's, but, hi, he's hiding the, uh, the appearance of any drink in his hand. Yeah, that's right. Just in case there's any kind of... Because his missus is a psycho. Well, it's good that you brought that scene up because I need to take us to Corrections Corner. Stop it. I don't have to tell you again. Stop it now. Sorry. Firstly, um, I did try and claim in the last episode that it was only 20 minutes between Sarah saying, Oh, darling, when Tony Slattery's character Brian left his wife and then angrily filing her nails and saying, I'm very tired. but actually, I realised in the viewing last night that there is actually a lot more time has passed. There's a lot of kind of reminiscing about college days. There's the whole interaction with Carol and the TV. So it's, it is longer than 20 minutes. So I just wanted to to note that. Jazzy shame on you. Yeah, I am jazz shamed. Um, and the other thing is uh, something that I felt very guilty about. And when talking about Peter's revelation that he was HIV positive, I said, you know, and that would have been a death sentence or, you know, akin to a death sentence back then. I actually I actually want a serious note in this comedy podcast. Did you say that? Yeah, I did. Death sentence? Yes, I said. And I said, I just wanted to acknowledge there are actually parts of the world where it is akin to a death sentence because they don't have the access to medication. And, you know, I get right on. So I just <laughs> Sorry, I was a bit loud. That's not jazz. Wasn't jazz. But anyway, yes, so right. I, I just wanted to apologise. That's all right. You can apologise. <gasps> I did a joke. You did. And I think that's... Did you have any corrections? I don't believe so. I think I'm perfect. Hmm. I think you are too. Let's leave. Wait. Let's leave. <laughs> Now, no, stop it. I don't have to tell you again. Stop it now. Sorry. Okay, and we're back to the final question. In the snappy 15 minutes. We're, we're going through, I think because we're lethargic, <clears throat> we're talking faster. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Or maybe it's just, just the jazz tempo just kind of... <laughs> Not my tempo. Not my tempo. 
Who goes first? The question is, who is Peter's real friend? Okay, I'll go first. Once again, I kind of forgot about this question, but I had actually given it some thought. And I'm actually going to say, it's Maggie. I know she's got this whole ulterior sort of motive, this hidden agenda to get his little babies in her and all of that, but... You know what? We're five episodes in now, and we still haven't even begun to unpack Maggie's whole story. No, I know, but... I I get busy. I feel like... I'd like to invite listeners, all of you many thousands, if you want to ride in with ideas around Maggie or any of these questions, do it. We're introducing a new segment very soon called Listener's Corner. Corner. We've got two corners now. Well, there's one's in, in one the corner. In the right corner. Yeah, that's right. There's four corners, so we've still got two more segments to come up with before the end of this. But Can one of them be a fruit corner? Yeah. Yeah. So I, like, I like that. Um, I Anyway, back to me and what I was saying. Um, Maggie, Maggie is um, of... Of all the kind of the close friends, um, I'm kind of leaving Sarah out of here because I don't even think Sarah's particularly close to anyone. But um, she is okay. Yes, she is. Um, Maggie, Maggie doesn't apologise. Have to apologise about not being in contact with Peter when his father died, or you know, like, and um, and doesn't say you know to Peter uh, to Roger and Mary. You know, I haven't seen you since. You know. I feel like Maggie is actually a good friend and she would have gone to the funeral and she would have been in contact with Roger and Mary. In the car that moment where, you know, they're saying Peter's helpless and he's he's hopeless. He's hopeless, Maggie. Uh, It's Maggie who's been told that and it's Maggie who defends Peter in different ways at different times. It's Maggie who's talking about Peter and thinking about Peter. She's closer to him than anyone. She may be thinking about him as slightly stalkery, kind of creepy, sort of, you Doing know. with your babies kind yeah, of way. Yeah, sort of predatory way. But yet. But you can still be someone's best friend and their stalker, right? <laughs> um, they're, they're two different roles. <laughs> yeah. They, they, two hats. Yeah, two, two hats. It's like pairing of wine and, and a meal. It's like, you know, perfect mm. combination. Anyway, your turn. Well, I'm going to do a flipsy-flopsy-flippity-doo on you. That's a jazz term. <laughs> My flipsy-flopsy-flippity-doo is to say that Maggie mm-hmm. contradicted you. Did she? Yeah, because here's my offering under who's Peter's real friend. Maggie says, and I quote, she says to Andrew, Andrew, but you're Peter's best friend. She says that to him out loud, using her mouth, lips and tongue to form those words. I'm just taking that. I'm taking that this time. Maggie stated, and you say she's Peter's best friend. Maggie stated, Andrew, but you're his best friend. Can we just say there's possibly... Put it in an envelope. Yeah. Put it in the post system. Put it Send in it a to corner. Send it in the post system. Put it in a corner. In one of the corners. Yeah, I'm going to put it in a corner. But I'm going to say to you, I would argue that there potentially could be a difference between best friend and real friend. Oh, God. You know, so it's kind of like trophy friend, you know, and he pissed, Andrew pissed Piss? off, oh. pissed off. <laughs> Andrew, Are you just saying the word piss now? Yeah, yes, we are. Andrew pissed off overseas, you know, to LA. They didn't, you know, they spent six months writing on that script. Oh, Peter yeah. is clearly very still harboring great hurt about that. And- Peter, who's quite, you know, foppish and gentle and non-confrontational. Oh, he does. He does not like a fight. 
And the most, the closest he could come to anger was when he put that script on the table and said, yes, I wasn't bothered at all when you did that to me. Yeah, uh, but but actually when he, I mean, Kenneth Branagh does it in such like, oh, you didn't mind so terribly, did you? And Peter's behind him. He's, Andrew can't see his face. He's and his happy. face speaks volumes. Speaks so volumes. I think you are wrong. Your case is not strong. You, well, you're saying that I'm wrong to equate you're his best friend with who's Peter's real friend. Yep. I think you have something there. Jazz. Jazz of getting something right. Well, I think this has been a delightful episode. And we hope that you will join us next time on Peter's Jazz Frenemies. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I doing James Bond? <laughs> do, do, oh, do. it was Jazz Bond. No! And on that bombshell. On that bombshell. Oh, Jesus, we're on fire. <laughs> Let's just keep recording. Let's just keep going. Let's um, make this a director's cut. <laughs> no, let's, let's, let's finish. Do commentary on, let's do comic, Blu-ray commentary on our podcast as it's happening right now. Oh, my God, I can't believe the director said that. Oh, my God, that's kind of brilliant. Oh, and that's the end of the commentary. <laughs> So from a from a warm and sticky Melbourne, Uh-oh. Australia, the Antipodes, to all you out there, all we can say at this point is, mind, mind the gap. <laughs>